Uh, today, what we're going to do is we're actually starting a new series as a church. And so for a couple of reasons, one, so that the Camp 8 folks uh, didn't, weren't jumping into something that, uh, that they hadn't been a part of previously. But I think it also dovetails really nicely with what we were talking about at camp. We were talking about the kingdom. And so we're starting a series and we're calling it Freedom, where we're going through the Beatitudes. And if you don't know what the Beatitudes are, it's the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, where we we see Jesus giving his like first sermon that uh, kind of sets up what the kingdom is and he describes it. It's really amazing. But we're taking a bit of a, uh, an interesting angle on it in that if you look at the Beatitudes, they are, maybe if you don't know, it's like blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the, that, that thing. Maybe you've heard of it before. What's really neat about it is if you study it, it's actually a path uh, towards freedom. It's a path into the kingdom. It's how you find it. The people that are part of the kingdom of heaven look like the Beatitudes, which is neat and it's helpful because we talked about last week at our Vision Sunday that one of the things that really robs us from being part of the kingdom is being attached to the kingdom of this world. And what is so common and frustrating about the kingdoms of this world is that it never fully satisfies. There's always a little bit more you need from it and there's always, a, there's always Salvation is just beyond the horizon at all times, and it drives us deeper and deeper, deeper into the world. Some, we might call that addiction, where you get a less and less high and less and less reward for the plan that the world offers you. And the Beatitudes, Jesus' sermon, his invitation is a path to freedom. It's, it's a path towards life, out of addiction, out of the things that don't satisfy into the things that we are designed to be satisfied by. So it's worth paying some attention to if God showed up in the flesh and said, here's what the people in my kingdom look like. Here's the path into it. I think we should lean in a little bit. So that's what we're gonna do over the next 10 weeks. And today is an introduction. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read the Beatitudes together. I'm gonna pray. And then we will talk about what this word blessing actually means today. And I hope it'll be insightful for you. So Matthew 5, starting in verse one says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Heavenly Father, we ask you to speak through your word as you're so faithful to do. I ask that you would illuminate what freedom looks like. Give us a glimpse into your kingdom. Show us what it's like. Capture our attention, our affection. Thank you for what you've written, what you've spoken to us. Uh, help us focus. Help me. Help me say the things that are on your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, a couple of questions to start off. First question is, to what end are you striving in life? 
we talked about this at camp a lot. You know, we asked these big questions about like, what makes me important? What makes me happy? What, what fulfills me? To what end are you, when you wake up every day, you're like, here's the bullseye, here's the goal. Now, if you're anything like me, that preferred future has something, if not everything, to do with happiness. I can't think of a preferred future for any of us that doesn't include happiness. If you have a different feeling you'd like in your preferred future, I'd love to know what that is, but I, I can't imagine that any of us would be going, I really hope I'm unhappy with what the future of my life looks like. Some, how we get to happiness, what, happen, what happiness looks like for each one of us, probably super different, but for sure, we wanna be happy. That's just part of all, who we are. So maybe I'm hoping I can speak for all of us a little bit in that way. There's probably some nuance to that, but man, that sure captures my attention every morning. That's what I wake up mostly hoping today's gonna be about. I hope it's a happy day, and that's fine. But I'll ask a follow-up question. What's the plan? What's the plan for happiness? Do you know all the steps? Have you mapped them all out? I remember there was a time in my life where I had all the steps mapped out because you, you get these marks in high school so that you can get into this university so that you can get this job so that you can be desirable for this girl that I've imagined in my head that may or may not exist. And then we get married and then we have two and a half kids and then we, uh, like we, I have this, you know, ideal version of what I imagine life to be like. And like, maybe you have it all mapped out. Do you know all the steps? How are you gonna get there? Another question, are you sure you can get there? Like if you have it all mapped out, that's great. I did too. Are you sure? Are you sure you can get it? It's interesting to ask yourself this question, right? Wait, hold on, yeah, I have it all mapped out, but like, can I even, can I do it? Can I do it? Are you sure that every step you've planned out will go according to plan? Are you good enough to pull off every step of said plan towards happiness? I remember when I realized I wasn't, uh, I, I wanted to go, I studied at Lingara, try and uh, take the easy road into the Sauter School of Business, because if, if you go straight in, you have to have like, I don't know what it is now, straight A's. But if you go to Lingara first, you can kind of, you know, be like me and <laughs> get in. I couldn't even do that. Like I, I just wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the grades. I just, and that was a very gripping feeling to go, oh, this isn't enough for the plan. That's like hitting a brick wall in your mind, hey? When you realize that like, I'm just not enough for the preferred future of my vision of happiness. Oh, that messed with me. I was so disturbed. I was like, but this is the plan. Oh, I'm incapable of my plan. Wow, that was a feeling. Maybe you've had one of those. So the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's answer to these questions. He's trying to give us the preferred future of where we're supposed to be going. He's trying to answer these questions for us. Now, what's interesting is that the word blessed, if you translate the Greek, it just means happy. Like, I can't pronounce it, malaketoi or something. I don't know, I can't pronounce it. But it's, it's, the, it's the Greek word for happy. So there's a plan mapped out for you and me that has to do with happiness, like straight up, straight up happiness. That's good news, I like that. And if God actually wrote the plan, it would stand to reason that it'd work, right? Like if he knows everything, he's all the omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, what's the other one? Omnipotent, but yeah. Uh, if 
he's all the omnis, you'd think that if he wrote a plan that it would actually lead somewhere, right? So there's a plan mapped out for you, it leads towards happiness, apparently, and it'll work. That's like amazing news. <laughs> like, it's where you lean into the Beatitudes, being like, oh my goodness, there's a plan. But here's what happens. There's a common misunderstanding of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the way that I feel like I've thought about it for a lot of my life. And it's like a bonus structure for super Jesus-y Christian people, and you get blessed if you do the extra stuff. It's like extra credit in school, or if you're like meek and poor and insulted and persecuted, you get more blessings. And it's like, oh, okay, the extra, the extra credit stuff. It's like a Christmas bonus for the people who are like the best in the church, right? Top performers, the most persecuted or insulted or meek or poor in spirit or whatever. It's kind of what I thought it was. And I think the reason why I hoped it was the bonus activity structure <laughs> was that it, if you've noticed, the path is counterintuitive to the way my brain works. Like, have you, have you, did you hear what the plan was? It's like, Meek, persecuted, uh, what else is in there? Insulted, mourning, poor. So blessing, at least what Jesus is talking about, sounds, sounds hard, sounds abrasive and <laughs> a little bit like hard to swallow. So here's what I do normally in my mind, if I don't put energy into thinking about this well, as I go, I just, I don't have to be blessed, I'll just be happy. Like, I don't have to be blessed. I don't, I don't need to do all that stuff. That's the bonus things. But, but I am committed to the happiness thing. And so what we accidentally maybe do is we're saying, I will find my own way to happiness. I'll find, I don't want that way because I don't get how that works. But I'm, I'm still committed to the happiness goal. So what we just did is we created a choose your own adventure novel where I am now, I get to pick what happens at the end of every chapter. So there's some problems to that. I'm gonna ask you a fourth question. Are there many roads to true happiness? Are there many roads? Like ask, really ask yourself that. Are there multiple ways? If, if we have chosen to uh, make it up and get there ourselves, you must conclude that there are many ways to it. You must conclude that the source of happiness is a choose your own adventure and it's just around the next corner or under the next rock or just beyond the next horizon. It's on its way and you get to find it somewhere out there in the, the gray fog of life that we can barely see into. But we're kind of hoping that happiness could be found in multiple places. So in order to answer this fourth question, are there many roads? Let's look at the word blessed for a second, okay? Let's work, what does the word blessed actually mean? It's lost all meaning, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, what does that actually mean? It's like when we say love, we have to kind of parse out what we actually mean by this. So like I said earlier, the literal translation from Greek means happy. That is the correct translation of the Greek word. But Jesus and the Jewish biblical authors and the audience that this is being spoken to have a depth of understanding behind that word, okay? So, the, the example I think of is like, if I say I'm stoked, okay? If I say I'm stoked, if you just heard that word for the first time, like a thousand years from now, when they were studying our culture, they would be like, you wanted the fires to be in, in like made bigger? 
Like it doesn't make, wouldn't make any sense, right? Like you're like, oh no, stoked means I'm referring to like my heart as a fire, it's a metaphor, and when I'm stoked, I'm excited, and like you'd have to explain, right? So in the same way that if they said happy back then, they said happy, there's a depth behind that word. That's kind of like the, you know, take some explaining what the, when they say happy. And here's what it means. I find this so interesting. It would come from the Hebrew idea, there's a word called ashray. And this word means, listen to this, a difficult path made straight, uneven ground made level, ready for building. So the word happy came to be used of a person's walk in life when it was a straight path, meaning a moral one, meaning a sure one, thence a happy one. Does that make sense? So if you said, in that culture, if I said, how are you doing today? And you answered the word happy, in that culture, you'd say, I'm sure. Isn't that interesting? Hey, you feel, how are you doing today? I'm level. <laughs> I am sure of where I'm going. That's what, and if you heard the word happy, it would mean that, okay? It's really important that we get this. I'm sure. I'm so sure today. Ah, so rich, eh? So, blessing, happiness, comes from an assurance that the path laid out before you actually leads somewhere. It actually is going somewhere. You know where it's going. Assurance, it's beautiful. Just so you know that I'm not making this up, listen to what someone with a doctorate said about this. Uh, you can put up that quote for me. The Greek term for blessed, happy, was not nearly as difficult to understand for Jesus's audience and Matthew's readers as it is for us. Matthew's Jewish listeners and readers were familiar with the term. Our modern idea of happiness is a diluted version of the joy implied by the term Jesus used. Our idea of happiness is a dependence on circumstances. Instead, God's happiness or joy is dependent on the assurance of God's blessing, sometimes present, often future, not on current circumstances, and it abides deep and undisturbable within the believer. Isn't that cool? That's what it means to be happy, apparently. So, point number one is, true joy isn't possible without assurance. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you think about the fleeting pleasures of this world, uh, they, you don't know where they're going. If you think about, like there's, a, there's an inverse correlation between success and happiness, if you haven't noticed. Similarly, the more successful people are and the more people's plan, it goes according to people's plan, somehow it feels like happiness, like there's an inverse correlation somehow. And this makes sense because wealth, fame, power, highs, sexual satisfaction, they don't have any assurances. We don't know where they're going exactly, except we know that we need one more. One more time, deeper, more, better. They're always bottomless pits. They leave you anxious because you don't know where the next fix is coming from. It's a fog out there. Like, okay, so the ones I listed are like, okay, so those are the rock star problems. I don't have any of the rock star problems. I would say even comfort and leisure I mean, oh man, when I'm comfortable, I'm happy. And when I pursue leisure, I'm happy. But where does comfort, like if you wanna be the most comfortable, just make your life small. Kick all the people out of it. They always ruin everything. And just kick all the people out of it and just have a loveless life. 
and it gets real comfortable super quick. Really comfy, so much leisure. You get to delete a bunch of stuff, all your calendar, all those church meetings. Like you're just free now, but here's what I find is I can't make my life small enough and comfortable enough to be truly happy. It's gotta get smaller yet. It's gotta get more about me yet. It's a never ending pit. And we have a word for, uh, for the pursuit of that which almost satisfies, we call it an addiction. So an addiction is like, oh, that's such a heavy word and that's for like drug addicts or something. It's like, okay, well, hold on. Broad spectrum, we're all on a spectrum of addiction. We're all on a spectrum of going, how much do we think that the things of this world that almost satisfy actually will? And I think we all are guilty of that in some form. Maybe you're the comfortable person. I'm addicted to comfort and leisure and my snack and Netflix at the end of the day, speaking personally. That is how I cope. <laughs> and it will, there'll never be enough of that, I promise you. There'll never be enough snacks. I love snacks. Man. So, uh, last week we had this Vision Sunday and Pastor Greg, I think, lovingly, lovingly outlined what the theme for us is this fall. And it's, it's freedom from our slavery to that which almost satisfies, called an addiction. Freedom, let's be free from those things. Let's be free. I love that vision for the fall. We're gonna keep multiplying disciples who love God and other than the world. That's never gonna change. That's Matthew 28. We're not about to change that anytime soon. But we're gonna get better and better at being freed up to do that. And so how about we join the kingdom and how about we follow his plan? So I think that blessing, the opposite of it would be self-sufficiency and we choose our own adventure and we wander around. One of the things that the Bible calls people who are not part of the kingdom is a descriptor it uses a lot is wanderers. Just wander. You know, like maybe it's, maybe happiness is over here. Maybe it's on the other side of that and we just wander around, stumbling around in the dark. I feel like that all the time. So question for you, do you know where you're going? Do you know? Are you sure? Are you sure? Or is your personal joy and happiness just around the corner that you can't quite see past? So I think true joy is only possible when we're assured when we're assured of where it's going. Because you just, like, it's chaos to wonder where your next fix is coming from. And if you've been trapped in an addiction and you felt that, that is a dark spot. Because you know that the only plan you have is to go further than the thing that didn't work last time. You wanna talk about being robbed of happiness. That's it, that's it. No, I wanna be sure. So the next point is only God, apparently, can provide assurance. So we're gonna go through the Beatitudes one by one and it outlines a path from, you know, to freedom from our addictions. How does it do that? Well, as an introduction, Jesus is sure. He's sure. He knows where it goes. He knows the decisions that you and I should make. He knows the hopes we should have. He knows the steps we should take. And it leads to life now and it leads to life forevermore. What great news. So when Jesus invites you to be meek, okay, meek, by the way, is uh, the definition of meek is somebody who knows how to use a sword but keeps it sheathed. Somebody who has power and could take control but doesn't for a higher purpose. It's like, ooh, that's power, right? When you have it and don't use it because there's something bigger going on than you being the most powerful in the room and making sure everybody knows, that's meekness. 
And so if you're, you have an option to choose your own adventure, I'll tell you what, power works great. Don't be meek, be powerful. Step on people's heads a little bit, make them feel small, be the biggest in the room. And you have a moment to go, okay, which direction am I going? Am I going down the path of power or am I going down the path of meekness? And what Jesus is saying is, if we pick on that beatitude for one second, he says, no, 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 be meek because they'll inherit the earth. You see how there's a destination? Apparently, meek people, those who follow Jesus into that kind of meekness, inherit the earth. Like you wanna talk about power, but in like the best kind. It's like, no, you're, tr you're a trustworthy person. He knows where it goes. He knows where meekness goes. When he asks us to love others and they don't reciprocate and you're betrayed, he knows it wasn't a waste. He knows it wasn't. It wasn't a waste. He knows where love, he knows where people who are loving go. They're conformed to the image of Christ. And he knows that, he knows where loving people end up. He knows and then he invites us into it. I just think that God gets to say what's actually going on and that is such good news. It is such great news. I used this example a few months ago, but you guys ever had a technical difficulty on your laptop or something and you just can't figure it out and the, the one thing that's supposed to work just isn't and there's nowhere in the instruction manual that explains what's wrong? None, no, and you've looked. And then you call somebody and you get through five robots and eventually you get to like a person. Then the person goes, oh, let's go to this menu and click. And then all your problems are solved in like an instant. I love that person. I'm like, I love you. What's your name? Where do you live? How many kids do you have? Tell me about yourself. You're like my new best friend. You solved a problem I couldn't solve. And what you feel in your heart is like, ah, oh, somebody knows. Like somebody knows what to do. It's such a great, it's unbelievable. And so here's what happens, guys. Like, you know what's so great about the Choose Your Own Adventure is it's just wide. It's just wide open space and you can do whatever you want. And of course we don't like to use the word wander, but uh, it's kind of wide open space. And then Jesus goes, all right, how about we take what's called the narrow path, right? And then we go, oh man, I could never do the narrow path. It's so narrow. Like if you read the Beatitudes, super narrow. Just like, what, that path? That is so narrow. And I don't even know where it is. I gotta follow you into it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I know it's narrow. In fact, it's, it's, like, it's like the eye of a needle. It's like a bullseye, a thousand miles away. And I, Jesus speaking, can hit it every single time. I can hit it every time. You know what it is, that bullseye? It's like love, pure love, pure trust, pure devotion to God, consecration, affection. I hit that, I nail it. I nail it every time. So like, yeah, it's narrow, but just follow me into it. Like, yeah, I know you're not wandering around in the vast wilderness. I get how that's like at least comfortable. And I know that the narrow path seems really narrow if you don't know me and you don't follow me. It's actually impossible if you don't know me and follow me. But if you follow me, I hit it every time. Take my hand, let's go. And so I used to be like, why is the righteous path so narrow? It's so frustrating. Why doesn't he make it more clear? It's like, I think he just wants us to follow him. So repentance, guys, repentance is turning from your own plan and forsaking your friendship with 
picking on the meekness thing again, forsaking your friendship with power and the way power works in the world of stepping on other people and being the best in the room. You, that's it, man, that's your friend, hey? Like if you're on the choose your own adventure, power is your friend. Like that's helpful, okay? And we all know the damage that inflicts on the world, but never mind, I'm trying to get through life. So you have a friendship with that thing. And repentance is going, okay, I'm gonna go the other direction. And then you look at it and you go, that is so narrow. And Jesus goes, yeah, come follow me. And if you read through the Beatitudes, he's describing himself, poor in spirit, meek, persecuted, insulted. Like he's describing himself and he goes, come with me. So true joy is impossible without assurance. Only God can provide real assurance because the only one, he only one knows where it's going. So it logically follows that God is the only source of true joy. He's the only source of true joy. When, man, like, okay, so I think sometimes we talk about blessings as a heaven thing. You're like, okay, so you suffer and you're persecuted and meek and weak and it's miserable. And then you go to heaven and it's all nice again. So for sure, the fulfillment of all we hope for is there. For sure, we are bank, and if, it's, if this isn't an eternal plan, it's not a good plan. For sure, we're hoping in eternity, okay? And do you guys know what it's like to wake up every day and know that your next step was sure? Like to know that the decisions you make when you go, what do I do here? What do I do here? Oh, I'm going to... I'm going to choose the Jesus way. And you know that you're threading the bullseye needle because Jesus does. And he pulls you through it because it's not a problem for him. That is a life that's filled with blessing. That is a life that is happy. Because even if the plan is to be persecuted, even if the plan is to be insulted for your faith, even if the plan is to be poor in spirit, and like all the things that don't make sense, even if that's the walk, you know where it's going. You know that it's, it, you're participating in the kingdom of heaven now and for eternity. And that is a life that is filled with joy and the anxiety of wandering, the anxiety of hoping that the next fix is the best and, and will be, all that's gone, all it's gone. And joy fills your heart but one that lasts based on your own behaviors, one that's substantiated in the work of what God did. He's like, I, I did it. I know where this is going. Come follow me. And I'm so glad. So here's the thing is that blessing is the plan the whole way through. Blessing is a plan the whole way through. And so my encouragement to us today is that our perfumed future for sure has to do with happiness. And Jesus would come along and say, yes, and here's how we're gonna be happy. We're going to be sure that every step of obedience and every walk towards me is never wasted. Everything is participating in this eternal kingdom. Every step we take is a step deeper into my kingdom and with me and by me and through me. And that is a life that is just well spent no matter what the walk is. So I don't know for you guys today what, what, what the plan is. What's the plan? Nice timer just went off at the conclusion. 
I wonder what the plan is for you. Do you know? Are you sure? Are you sure? Jesus is sure. He's sure and he's proven it. We can see it in his life. And so, uh, I think my heart's cry for our series as a church this fall, for campers that are visiting today, no matter who it is, don't be slaves to that which almost satisfies. Don't spend your life wondering if it's around the corner or not. Jesus promised us life to the full. Life to the full. Now. Like now. And we as Canadians, we always get like really freaked out when we talk about, talk about being blessed now because it's like, oh, we can't promise anything. It's like, no, being sure is a life filled with blessing. I'll just end with this. We can invite the worship team up, which I guess is also me. But um, uh, I can choose to focus on the negative descriptors of the, um, of the, of the path Jesus has. I was like, oh, I've been so persecuted and I've been so insulted and I've had to do this and I've had to do that. And like the path is so narrow and I can kind of complain about it a lot. I could choose it. Maybe you're like a Christian that's been walking for a while and trying. You're getting a little bitter. I'm like, man, this is narrow. <laughs> I've been trying to humble my heart a little bit and get off my little self-righteous high horse. And God has been revealing to me all the blessings in my life. Can I just tell you? Okay, at risk of sounding like I have my life together, I'm gonna risk it. You ready? Uh, following Jesus faithfully is a life filled with blessing and joy. Just as I can attest to that. Super, super hard, lots of valleys. Blessing, joy, life. No wandering, assured. Oh, oh, do I not want that taken from your walk? Don't stumble around in the dark. You don't have to. Trust him. And so over the next bunch of weeks, we're gonna look through each beatitude and you're like, I don't know about that one. I don't know about poor in spirit. I don't know about meek. I don't know. And we're gonna go through each one and we're gonna we'll try to convince you that it's a better plan than yours, you know? But you don't have to wait for 10 weeks. Right now, you could go, oh, I'm not a good author of my life. And we repent from the wandering, self-sufficient path. And we say, Lord, I trust you. And so maybe that needs to be you today. I go like, okay, God, I just take your hand. I can't get to heaven. I can't thread the needle. I can't make the narrow path, but you can. So tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I love you. I trust you. So I'm just going to give the spirit a little bit of space to speak for us. Maybe I'll highlight something. Maybe it's not your whole, maybe it's your whole life. Maybe you've never heard any of this before. Amazing. Maybe it's one part of it, but let's let him speak. Holy Spirit, I ask you in your kindness, this is your kindness leads us to repentance because you want us to have life to the full. You want us to have life to the full. Blessing was the plan always, now and then. So we trust you and we say, show me something. Show me something where I'm stumbling around in the dark. Show me a path that I've chosen for myself. In your kindness, would you reveal something, Lord?
Lord, I admit that when I see these things and I hear these things, I feel afraid because they help me. But right now, Father, I just, on behalf of my friends, I ask that you would bring comfort into that space and you would just whisper to each one of us, I'm sure, I'm sure, I know, I know, I know where to go. knows where to go. So Father, we reach out and grab your hand again. We grab your hand again in gratitude that there's someone who knows. We trust you. Yeah, Father, draw near to us as we worship, as we thank you for your salvation and your goodness that you would even reveal any of this to us. We stand and respond in worship.